0: There, just for a few seconds, and give God just a bit of praise and glory and honor. Amen. Amen. For meeting us, that when we didn't have anything to bring, it was God and God alone who met us. I greet you in the mighty and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen on this Wednesday night at the Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I believe that the Lord has certainly led us here that we might break the bread of life together. Amen. To your pastor, uh, Myron Edmonds, can we just celebrate and thank God for him? Amen. I hear such tremendous things of what the Lord is doing here uh, at your church. I was explaining to him that a member of your church is married to a member of my husband's church. And so we were connected, for we knew we were connected. Amen. Amen. It's my first time preaching in a Seventh Day Adventist church, and I thank the Lord, Amen, for the invitation to be here with you. I want to just take just two seconds to uh, recognize members. I see several of you who are here from Euclid Avenue Congregational Church, and I'm grateful for your presence here tonight um, because I know this is stretching you, and I'm glad that you're being stretched. Amen, Amen. And I I really believe that we put up divisions among ourselves. Amen. And, and we all love the Lord. And so if nothing else, we can come together on that. Amen. And that's more than enough. Amen. That's more than enough. Um, there is a word from the Lord. This has been, if you give me just 30 seconds, uh, the most difficult day. Uh, we happened to move last night, uh, physically into a brand new home. And that was a challenge in and of itself. Amen. Uh, our bed broke. Um, literally, we could not get the box spring up the stairs. And as a woman who is 18 and a half weeks pregnant, come on, somebody, uh, told that, that we're going to have to do the couch ministry. Amen. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, my husband is not here because he's getting the problem solved. So I'm praying that by the time I get home, amen, come on, somebody, a touch and agree with me. I said, I don't care how you do it but I need to find some deliverance. Amen. Um, And on top of that, one of our uh, senior members of our congregation is in the process of making her transition. Uh, And so it was interesting because life is growing in me. And to be with a 92-year-old member of our church as she is preparing to take her last breaths. We've been with her family all day long. And so it's just been a very difficult day. But I was telling your people, your pastor like, why did you accept this invitation? You preaching? You moving? You doing this? You doing that. And um, and really, I felt like this is where I was supposed to be. And so as much discomfort as I'm in, I know that when you're where you're supposed to be and you're doing what the Lord is calling you to do, that God meets you there. So if you will, just keep me in your prayers. Amen. And especially pray that bed is fixed by the time I get home. Amen. Um, If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, there's just a few verses of Scripture there. It's going to serve as a foundation for tonight. The Lord has just put this word in my spirit uh, for today, and particularly for the women who have gathered here And I pray that as it's been just developing in my spirit uh, all day and over the last few days, um, that it will meet you, uh, the women of God, at the place where you need it to. Mark chapter 3, if you found it, say amen. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. These words are found there. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, one translation says the withered hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent and he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. You completely missed it. Let me just go back right there. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Would you pray with me? Awesome, mighty, gracious, loving, and always faithful God, pause tonight in your powerful presence because I know you're here in this place. Truth of the matter is, God, I'm tired, weary, weak, and worn. I'm a broken vessel, but I'm an open vessel. I long, oh God, to be used by you. Let nothing that's taking place in my home, no situation in my body, no circumstance in church, no situation around the world distract me tonight from the assignment which you have placed before me. Pray, O God, for open hearts, open minds, open tent doors tonight. Do your work, O God. And not if this is done, but when this is done. When you throw your weight around. When you break yokes in this place. When people find healing and deliverance, God, not if you do this, but when you do this, we'll be so careful to give your name, all of the praise, all of the glory and all of the honor and say, you did it and you did it alone. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We pray and we all said, amen, amen, amen. Would you turn to your neighbor tonight and say, hey, neighbor. Oh, neighbor, show up, stand up, stretch out. One more time. Find another neighbor, find another neighbor. Come on, find somebody else. Tell them tonight, show up, stand up, stretch out. Amen, amen, and amen again. Bless you, brother, for getting your stretch on now. Amen, amen, amen. This passage of scripture found here in Mark chapter 6 is a peculiar place to find Jesus as he moves in the crux of his ministry. Here, as you read in the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter three, early on, Jesus already is in the process of developing haters. You know what haters are, don't you? Uh, Haters are those who don't want to see you to become all that God longs for you to be. Haters tend to be knit picky. Come on, somebody. Haters tend to uh, throw dust up in your face. Haters tend to never ask you why. Come on, somebody. But always turn to their neighbor and say, why in the world is she doing such and such? Why is she wearing so and so? Or y'all can act brand new, but this is a women's revival. And so women have a way of hating on one another, of talking about one another. You're just trying to do what God Called you to do? You just trying to move in the freedom of what God is looking for, but haters are always right there nipping at your heels. And so Jesus is the guest preacher on the Sabbath. Uh, he is the traveling evangelist which has come to town. And the problem is that Jesus was never preaching a gospel that the higher ups in the church wanted to hear. I'm going to preach to myself right in and through. Here. Uh, He had a different interpretation of the scripture than the ones that they had had of old. Why we got to do something different? Why we got to do something new? We've never done it this way before. We never had screens in the sanctuary before. We never played the music this way before. And I just don't understand, Jesus, why in the world you have to come troubling and stirring up the waters and causing problems and difficulties. Uh, when we're just trying to do what we've always done. Haters are on standby and Jesus is just trying to be the morning preacher. He's just trying to warm up the crowd, give them a word from the Lord and send them on their way. But the problem is, is that the perception of the church, watch this, a pastor, I say at my church, I like to get fired every Sunday because I say something that steps on the toes of people. So it's my intention that you may not invite me back because I said something. Thing that offended one of your members, but I got to give it to them the way the Lord gave it to me. The problem is that most of us in the context of the church uh send out the impression to the community you know right here in Glenville right here on 105 that you have to have it all together in order to come into the church uh we say we love everybody we say we welcome everybody we say come as you are but what we really mean is comb your hair before you get in here We say come as you are, but we say, uh, can you put on some different stockings for you come up in here? We say come as you are, but can you fix your face? Can you uh, fix your attitude? Uh, Can you button up? Can you pull up? Uh, Can you get your skirt a little longer? Uh, Can you fix your life issues? And so the problem is, is that Jesus is calling in all of the people who externally don't seem to have it together, but they have a longing that they'll be fixed on the inside let me help you the problem is that the majority of the people who wanted to be in the church and wanted to be in leadership appeared that they had it all together on the outside but the reality is is that they were cracking and breaking on the inside so jesus is bringing in misfits Jesus is bringing in the marginalized, bringing, Jesus is bringing in the ostracized, Jesus is bringing in all of those who should not be inside of the temple. And the truth is, is that the haters have a problem with this type of ministry. I mean, cause we can be on 105, but do we have to bring people in from off 105? Cause see, I, 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 I'm I'm down. Uh, let me let me tell you a bit about about my church. Uh, we were we were we were a, a urban church up by Cleveland Clinic, drawing in folks who lived up by Cleveland Clinic. But we down on 30th in Euclid, where they got housing projects all. Around in the Greyhound bus station, come on, woman came to the church a couple weeks ago talking about, I just got off the train because it looked nice here. Could you help me? Well, why did you get off the train here? Well, it looked like a nice place. Oh well amen praise the lord you know it's like me walking into somebody's home i just want to live here because it looked like a nice place you see down on 30th we draw a totally different demographic of people and some people in the church can't handle the demographic that comes in why can't they have it together before they get here why can't they have a job before they get here but the work of the church is to welcome all of god's children to leave your judgments oh now I outside and realize if the truth be told and this robe was taken off, I'm just as jacked up and messed up and trying to do the very best that I can to be all God wants me to be. so Jesus is drawing in the misfits and he is pushing aside the bold and the beautiful and telling them that everybody is welcome within the four walls of the church. But the gospel tells the story over and over again. Don't you dare judge a book by its cover. Gospel tells us over and over again. Watch this. Don't be seduced by beauty. Let me help somebody. Uh, uh. Don't be seduced by the aesthetics of what God can do. Uh, In other words, there was that tree in the center of the garden. uh, And Eve, you know what it says, and it was pleasing to the eye. In other words, it was beautiful. It looked good. And I don't understand why I can't have it. And so she dipped in and all of us dealing with it even now. Yes, Jesus came, but we still dealing with it. Come on, there was Samson and Delilah and he told his secret to her because she was so pretty. Come on, and when she cut his hair, come on, it took all of his strength because he was seduced by the beauty and some of us see people, I'm preaching to myself, come into the church and they look like they got a mind. They look like they got a job. They look like they got common sense but sometimes I've learned that the people who don't comb their hair sometimes got more common sense The nose sitting in the back sucking their thumb twirling their weave. You'll get it when you get home. Think about my former pastor, Dr. Cynthia Hale, my pastor. She talked about she's a beautiful woman, six foot two, just absolutely beautiful. And she talked about one time seeing the most amazing looking man. It's a women's revival. She had ever seen this brother was tall, dark, handsome, had on a three piece suit, a woven silk tie, nice, shiny shoes, walking with an attache. The problem was he tripped and dropped the attache and nothing fell out. So see, we can be seduced by what things look like and realize that while it looked great on the outside, ain't nothing going on on the inside. And that's the problem because Jesus was drawing all these people who looked broken on the outside, but on the inside they were working harder than those who had the full activity of their limbs to make change in their lives. So here... Here is Jesus, preacher of the morning. And all the blind, crippled, uh, and crazy people are coming into the church. He is upsetting the equilibrium. He is causing confusion in the environment. And there, there among the crowd is a man with this withered hand. The withered implies that it's almost stuck to his chest. Uh, that it's paralyzed in this position. Withered is defined as stiffness or paralysis. Watch this, Uh, an inability to use it. Watch this, because it's dried up. It's dried up. Nothing's flowing in this area. this man's life and so he's holding close to the vest but here's what's interesting read the text in the Greek and the word withered is used as a perfect passive participle I know you're saying what does all that mean let me tell you what it means when you read it in the Greek is not that this man was born with a withered hand but that he had had an accident in his life which caused the hand to be withered you missed it but that's all right. let me help you out. Many of us are all indications of the accidents, good and bad, that have happened in our lives. And if we talk specifically about the rough spots in our lives, all of us are walking around with withered hands, withered hearts, withered spirits, because things have happened to us in our lives that we are no longer the same. What we used to have full activity of, we no longer have because of we're withered because we're broken because there's an area in our lives not where God has shut the door, but where we have shut the door and we have said, oil can't flow in this area of my life. It's too painful. It's too much of a challenge. It's too much of a struggle. And so, what happens to us is that we live in a state bottled up, tangled up, tied up, uh, unable. To have movement in our lives. Not because, watch this, not because we were born that way. Oh, it's going to get tight, but it's going to be all right. But because an accident happened to us that left us flawed and broken. Accidents. What happened to you? What's the accident in your life? What's the challenge? Was your accident, watch this, was your accident new to you or was your accident generational? Mm. was your accident new to your situation or was your accident passed down from generation to generation some of us have withered marriages Mm. not because that spouse necessarily has done anything to us but an accident early on in our lives has prevented us from giving our all and letting watch this our walls down even in our marriage accident somebody touched us in a way that we should not have been touched and we didn't tell nobody. And even if we did, they told us not to tell nobody. So we're walking around with accidents that have happened to us, accidents that have dried up areas in our lives, accidents uh, that have us walking around looking like both of our arms. When they say, come on and raise both hands, we lift them up, but our spirits are withered, doors are closed, and there are areas in our lives we won't let the Lord into, all because it's too painful. Watch this. And we've been taught. How to live with a withered hand. Taught how to live with a withered hand. You know, women are good at teaching women how to live with withered hands. He hits you in the face and she going to teach you how to put the makeup on to cover it up. Live with your withered hands. A good friend of mine went to work, saw saw her, her principal one of my good friends who's a pastor, she saw the principal in the building where she was working and she said, uh, uh, what happened to you? you? You got a bruise. Now, you know, you know how cold it is outside, right? She's talking about I fell on my boat. And I knew you were going to ask me first what happened. And I knew I had to have a good answer. My friend said, and falling on your boat when it's cold outside in Lake Erie is not a sufficient answer. Hmm? How do we teach our daughters to cover up withered hands? Hmm? Uh, Somebody hurt her feelings. Uh, Somebody hurt her in the classroom. Girl, get up. Come on. It's going to be all right. Just come on and act like everything is okay. And the truth of the matter is we teach one another how to live with these withered hands. We teach one another how not to deal with the issue. And you know how we do that? We do that through family secrets do it through family secrets what's your family secret what's that thing that nobody's supposed to know found out recently a good friend called me and said she found out that her mother was a mistress to another man family secrets and how does she process that and how does she move in that and mama said don't you tell nobody i grew up with a sister who had lupus at diagnosed at the age of 16 Uh, my own family uh just told me she had a bad case of arthritis and uh and tylenol was gonna make it all better come on withered hands because watch this let me help you because they didn't want me to go to school and tell that my sister had lupus because you know what. we say Uh, what happens in this house teaching us how to live with withered hands, teaching our children, teaching our girlfriends not to open up their mouths, not to make known what's going on in their lives, not to talk about our point of pain. And many of us can also testify that we have lived through nightmares and challenges. We have sat in the bathroom nearly suicidal at night with a towel in our mouth crying so that no one would hear us. And we're living with withered hands But we come out of the bathroom, wipe our face, and say everything is all right. Living with these withered hands. What's the area in your life that's withered? What's the area in your life that's broken? What's the area in your life that's dried up and God wants to bring healing, but you have cut off the source? Huh? Because keeping secrets keep us sick. Keeping secrets keep our family sick. And many of us were taught by our mothers, our aunties, our grandmothers, how to keep secrets. Mm, Can we go here? Many of us were taught how to come to church, smile, say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, with all that is within me, and I will bless his holy name, knowing good and daggone well that we were in the car just a few minutes ago, just trying to get ourselves together to have the strength to walk within the walls of the church. We, as women, walk around with these withered hands. Watch this. But the fact is in the text, the man only has one withered hand. The other hand moves. The other hand has motion. The other hand is a reminder. Watch this. Uh, That healing is still available to you. The other hand is the reminder that all of you ain't broken. And that ought to make somebody shout right there you got some withered parts. You've got some broken parts. You've got some things that you wish were a little bit different. But the reality is that if you would just move your other hand, it would remind you of what God is able to do. It will remind you that God will let oil flow to the areas of your life uh, that are free. Not that you haven't had accidents with the other hand. It's just none have impeded you to to the extent of the first hand. And so the other hand reminds us that healing is still available. So the question is to the woman who is here with a withered hand, with a withered spirit, with a withered heart. Now what? How do I find healing? It's right there in the text. I won't be before you long. Right there in the text. First thing you got to do, verse one, you got to show up. Turn to your neighbor say show up. You got to be present. You got to Be in the house. You've got to learn how to press your way past what you feel because the reality is that the man with the withered hand, the haters weren't just hating on Jesus. They were also hating on this man. They didn't want him there. They didn't think he had space. Can I I break it down for you this way? Uh, How many of us have had somebody say something to us in the church trying to run us out of a ministry, run us out of an auxiliary, run us out of a position, run us out of an assignment? And if you don't show up anyhow, if you don't say the Lord has called me anyhow, if you don't say God has put me in this place anyhow, church folk will run you out of the place God would have you to be. And so watch this. The text says and Jesus came to the temple and so did the man with the withered hand. He showed up. I said to my husband before I left, If it wasn't that I felt the Lord said I had to be here tonight, I'd call and cancel. Because my body needs rest. Amen? And I heard the Lord say to me, just show up. It's not about what you feel. It's not about somebody's thoughts about what you look like. It's not about somebody's opinions about you and your life and your children and your situation. God is looking now for a generation of women who will show up. It says, take me to the king. But if you don't show up at the throne, then what are we going to do? Show up. Press your way, anyhow. If you don't think that the enemy will send people to stop you, you're supposed to apply for a job. Somebody said, You're not qualified. Show up. Hmm? You feel called to do something like open a business, to start a ministry, and you share with your friend, I want to meet with the pastor about starting a sign language ministry. And somebody, We ain't got no deaf people at our church. What do you mean you want to start a sign language ministry? Show up people will forever discourage you people will forever tell you it can't be done people will forever tell you it's been tried and it didn't work but the word that is on tonight from this man is show up show up to the places God is calling you to show up to the places God has anointed you for show up to the calling that God has placed over your life show up so you can get the anointing that you're supposed to have show up up and do the things that God is calling you to do despite the haters that are in your life. First thing right there in verse one, show up. Then go down to verse three. This is the tough one. Jesus says, stand up. See, because if I'm sitting on the pew, and the guest preacher's there, and my hand is withered, can't nobody tell it. Looks like I'm just sitting around. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus says, Stand up. But if I stand up, everybody's going to see. If I stand up, then the thing I've been keeping secret, everybody's going to know about. If I stand up, that thing I've been taught how to cover, come on, I've been taught how to sit around and say, oh yeah, it's going to be all right. How you doing? Uh, Can you pass me that? I've learned how to camouflage. But if you tell me to stand up, Everybody's going to see that my hand doesn't go down like the other hand. Uh, but that this hand stays up Even when the other hand is swinging. If you ask me to stand up, it means I put my situation on blast. If I stand up, it means everybody know I got issues. Uh, if I stand up, it means people know my family's not as perfect as they thought it was. But the word from Jesus is stand up. Many of us talk about healing. Say we want healing. Ask the Lord to bless us, to keep us, to give us what we need. But when he says, stand up, we say, no, can't you bless me right here in the pew? He says, come to the altar. Why well, I got to go to the altar. Can't he bless me right here? Huh? This is where the secrets come in. Because you see, when you stand up. It's no longer a secret. When you stand up, you say enough is enough. And what's the thing in your life that you need to stand up on? What's the thing in your life, everybody? You just need to get off your chest and let everybody know. I have a wonderful, wonderful, amazing, smart, gifted, lovable nephew he's three his name is alex and he is the joy of our family but at three alex can't talk alex is autistic and his parents say don't tell They don't take him out to dinner because when he goes out to dinner, people will see that he can't just sit at the table like other three-year-olds and people. You know how we do with three-year-olds? What's your name? How old are you? What do you like to do? What's wrong with him? If I stand up, then everybody knows. If I stand up, I gotta deal with the issues. If I stand up, watch this. It means I might expose some other people. If I stand up, then it means I might open some doors that have been shut from a long time. If I stand up, what if what if it don't work? What if if I stand up uh, uh, that that. The minister that night was Jesus, but but I don't know who's walking through the doors on Sabbath. If I stand up for them, will, will what I expect, will what I need happen? The problem is many of us don't want to tell our secrets. We want the healing, but we don't want to stand up. But Jesus says clearly in the text, in verse 3, he says, stand up. I did not come to heal you sitting down. I did not come to heal you keeping your secrets to yourself. I didn't come to touch you and give you what you need and give you strength for you to cower underneath a pew. I didn't give you vision for you to sit on it. I didn't give you gifts for you not to use them. Jesus says right there in the text, "Stand up." So there's a group of us that might show up. But there's another group of us. That won't stand up the word tonight is stand up decide family secrets stop with me it's interesting because many of us who are married depending on what your situation is uh, uh, we don't always learn that good marriage requires good communication that's one thing in my family that wasn't a secret my parents talked through and worked through issues and determined how they were going to handle it as a team nobody was a lone ranger nobody just went off and did whatever they wanted to do they stuck around but so many in this generation today do not see their parents their loved ones doing the hard work of marriage and the reality is when will you say enough is enough my life will be different. My children will be different we may have kept the secrets when I lived in your house but we not in your house no more. We in my house and in my house we will serve the Lord and in my house if the Lord says stand up we gonna stand up and in my house if the Lord says tell what's going on and help somebody else that is what we will do. I dare say all the crime and violence against women in the city of Cleveland because people won't stand up. Women go missing and nobody reports them because we won't stand up. She had a little drug problem and I don't want people to know she had a drug problem so I won't call the police and say she's not been home for three days. Stand up! Stand up and say what the issue is. Stand up and put your foot down. Stand up and say enough is enough. Stand up and say you won't use drugs in my house no more or I call the police myself. Show up. Text says stand up. This is what I really like. Text says, verse 5, Jesus says, stretch out stretch out what you mean stretch out uh how watch this how am i supposed to stretch something that doesn't stretch how am i supposed to do something that i don't know how to do anymore how am i supposed to put oil in a place watch this that i intentionally have dried up uh if you really want to grab a hold of your healing, then you have to choose to do watch this. This 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 is becoming my theme in preaching. Uh, you've got to do the hard work. I know you're not gonna like that. That wasn't the answer you wanted, was it? See, it, I, I, I shouldn't say it, but Preachers of L.A. has given us a bad rap in my personal opinion, in my personal opinion. Uh, Amen. Glad to know. Not by myself. Uh, It sends the impression that all we got to do is just show up. All we got to do is just stand up. And when the preacher, watch, not Jesus, when the preacher stand up, the people will just come running to the altar and throw their money down and I can go get me a Bentley and have what I need. But the reality is, is that the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The Bible says you reap what you sow. In other words, you've got to do the work. Watch this because this hit me the other day in the car of not just planting the seeds, but you got to do the hard work of tilling the ground. You got to do the hard work of watering. You got to do the hard work of getting the soil right. Uh, you got to do the hard work. Okay, let me put it this way because you're looking at me like you don't understand. That's okay. Uh, I have this plant in my house. I, I'm not a green thumb. I grow people, not plants. Uh, got this plant in my house, and it came in this little, this little jar when my father died. And uh I don't take very good care of it. Uh, my father's passing is coming up on five years, and that little plant done lost a few little sides, but it's still with us. And uh maybe about two years ago, something in my spirit said, <clears throat> put the plant in a bigger pot so I said okay and some time went by you know because I had to like go to Home Depot come on I had to find another pot then I was like well I gotta find some soil I gotta get some gloves because you know we don't want to get our hands too dirty so about a couple months passed by yeah you heard me couple months because I didn't want to do the work. And I finally found a Saturday. I wasn't preaching on a Sunday. I know. I know y'all don't work on Saturday. Amen. Uh but the Lord said, child, if you don't plant that pot, put that plant in another pot. I'm gonna have it. I said, okay, Lord, I put so I found a little Saturday. I got just a little, little bigger. And I bought it. That thing was expensive. Just, you know. You know, I wanted a cute pot, you know, but it was. It was like 1995. dollars was like just for a pot, for some pottery. So I take the, take the plant, take it out, move it over. I don't know what I'm doing. I start I to put the old dirt in there just so it could be half something it's used to. <laughs> now, it's a, little, it's a little pot. It's only about this big, the new pot. You know, but I got a big thing of dirt because, you know, I don't know. What, I got to lift this thing up and pour it in. Do you know that little plant grew? It grew. And so today, you know, we were moving, and my husband said, I hope you're not taking that plant because you don't take good care of it. I said, that plant, I got that plant when my daddy died. You know how we do. I'm not leaving my plant even though I don't take good care of it. So today we were in the house, and he said, now where are we going to put this little plant? I said, don't talk about my plant. It's just such a little plant. I said, the plant would get bigger if I would, I'm telling on myself, if I would do the work of moving it to a bigger pot. He said, well, why, why will it get bigger? I said, because the root system, as long as the root system can spread out, as long as the roots can grow, the plant will grow. He said, well, planting in something bigger, I said, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to make the financial investment. We got a baby. Come on, somebody. We got a baby coming. We writing checks left and right. Come on, somebody. I'm doing this move. And he said, you need to do the work. When he says stretch out, the problem is most of us, we don't want to do the work. We don't want to go to the store. We don't want to get a bigger pot. We don't want to get a different type of soil. We don't want to prune it. We don't want to pull off what doesn't need to be there. We don't need to let it go. But I believe, I believe it's my theology that God blesses when we do the work. I don't, I, it does happen. Hear me. It, miracles still happen. But more miracles happen when you do the work. I don't take my blood pressure medicine. Let me get somebody in here. Because I'm waiting on a miracle. No, 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 no. The Lord may have said your miracle is in that blood pressure medication. And if you would just take your medicine as the doctor prescribed, come on, you sitting up in the hospital now. They're going to have to amputate my foot because I wouldn't take in my. No, Yo, the miracle is in God providing for the finances for you to be able to afford your medicine to get to your doctor and take it. And I believe that many of us will not do the work. But when Jesus says stretch out, how do I stretch out what hasn't been stretched out? How do I stretch out? Watch this. Can we go here? I'm embarrassed. Because if I try and it don't work, people will laugh at me. People will look at me. And my question is, if God offers you the opportunity to do the work, So that you can find your healing. It's worth it to try and stretch out. It's worth it to tell my sister that he put his hands on me. Because that might be when I find out she was in a relationship where somebody put their hands on her too. And then she says to me. Let me tell you how I got out of my situation. It's when you stretch out and you say, they sent me down south for the summer. Hmm? But I don't even want my children to walk that road. Watch this. So I'm going to talk to them about sex and stretch out. Let's be real in here. Do you know that one of the fastest growing groups for HIV AIDS are those in nursing homes? Because they figure we, we passed that stage. And nobody talked to us, so we're good. Ignorance is not bliss. Do the work and stretch out. You got a financial plan. I'm coming for you. You mapped it out. You know what to do. But you just can't seem to save what you're supposed to save. I'm preaching to myself. And the Lord said, if you would just bring the tithe, budget the 90, do the work, stretch out. Stretch out implies try. Stretch out implies Do the work. Stretch out implies get up and do your best to say enough is enough. And so the question is, if I show up and I'm willing to stand up and I'm willing to stretch out, then I believe, I believe that when the time is right, you will be able to take that withered hand, that withered situation, that withered heart, that withered circumstance, and ultimately say to the world, he healed me. He made me whole. I did the work. I stopped acting like it was all right. And I can tell you my story. See, we heard tonight a testimony. A testimony implies that there's been a journey. Anyone who says to you, I don't know how the Lord did it, (laughs) means they don't want you all in their business. But tonight, God wants to see you healed. God wants to see you whole. God wants to see you do the hard and difficult work, which for some, hear me, for some of us showing up is hard enough. For those of us who can show up, standing up is more difficult than my neighbor knows. And for even more than that, for some of us to stretch out, to do the work. But like that little plant, which now I'm convicted, and tomorrow will be moved into a much larger home. Amen? Do the work. Pray, but do the work. Give, but do the work. Sow, but do the work. Walk out the vision, but do the work. Tonight, the word of the Lord is simple. Show up. Stand up. Stretch out. Amen. Amen. Amen.